Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into a Thanksgiving week edition of Floyd Street's Finest. He's Coach Mark Lieberman. I'm Jack Grossman. I'm uh, back in the parents' home for the week. <laughs> week here, Lord. Nice. That's, Look that's at why, you. I didn't know that. Yes, that's why you see all the uh, suits behind me. <laughs> I mean, I, I took. I uh, I felt bad. I booted my dad out of his office for the next uh, half hour, forty five minutes, <laughs> or hour or so. So, but um. I got to I got to make a call to your dad. I got to start. I got to upgrade. I've got to upgrade. So there there will be a call. We're going to talk, Jack. Yeah, we'll Ken, talk off the air. Ken Grossman, executive image, free publicity for uh, for old dad there. If anyone needs there a you custom go. suit, there we go. But but yes, no, it feels great to be back in Louisville uh, for, for the time being anyways. And and yeah, no, Thanksgiving week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Because of the food, because obviously, you know, a lot of great football, but especially for the college basketball feast week is not officially the start of the basketball season, but kind of the first time the country really takes a notice to college basketball other than the Champions Classic, really. And it hasn't really disappointed. Maui's been great so far. The Battle for Atlantis gets kicked off uh, here on Wednesday. And the Empire Classic, of course, with Louisville, Indiana, Texas, and UConn took place over the last couple days in a pair of games where, I'll, I'll be I'll be straight up, um, Louisville annoyed my um, uh, financial state a little bit <laughs> the last few days on the uh, BetMGM app there. Um, with, what uh, did you, would you bet against them or, or uh, bet against them the first day and then bet on them the second day? That is exactly what I theoretically yeah. did. Uh, that's, that's probably <laughs> yeah. that's probably the majority of what yeah. people did. So, hey, but, yeah. but plus eight, though, on Monday, not, not the worst outcome. It was pretty yeah. infuriating, but not the worst outcome there. But... But um, uh, uh, you know, I wish that we were uh, we had talked yesterday because I had just I've been screaming from the treetops. I was on a different show yesterday, and I was just talking about Marquette having watched their game against yeah. UCLA, and I was just like, 
they're going to beat Kansas. So I was giving that out and uh, I'm sorry that uh, uh, it was on a podcast I did yesterday. I'm sorry that we didn't have ours because I would have been able to to relay that message. You don't need to feel sorry because I had Marquette Moneyline anyways. There you go. Good. Good. I love I love Tyler Cole. Like I love that team, and uh, I really think I, Kansas is really good, obviously. But but uh, the shooting struggles on the outside really bothered him, and and really Marquette's pressure was um, phenomenal in that game. Other than Dewan Harris, Kansas doesn't really have a lot of guys that can handle the basketball great, and that mm-hmm. led to what like 18, 20 turnovers in that game. Marquette, I thought Marquette would win. I was surprised about how much they really seemed. See, I don't know if they quite dominated the game, but they really controlled that game for, for all 40 minutes. They were uber impressive. I think they had a great chance to beat Purdue on, on Wednesday also. Yeah, they, they made it so uneasy for Kansas. They made them uncomfortable. And as from a defensive standpoint, obviously they talked continuously about the fact that they're looking for deflections and 32 is what they want per game. They have they have active hands. Uh, they make nothing easy. Uh, they, they are back tipping. They are sprinting back on every possession. When, when you play against teams like that, it's just, it, it's like going to the dentist. They just make things so uncomfortable for you. And it's just, it, it, it takes you out of rhythm. And, and that's what you want to do. You want to be disruptive defensively. I feel like that's a style of play. I mean, obviously you were a part of the, one of the most famous um, groups to do that with, with the uh, Patino teams at Louisville. We don't see a lot of full court pressing anymore. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's the new hand checking rules, but Marquette does a very good job. Like Chaka Smart's not playing the havoc defense like he was when he was at VCU in terms of like full court pressing all the time. But they do a really good job of pressuring the ball in the half court and really I think doing it in a way to adapt to you know the newer way the game's played, both with the hand checking rules and the fact that a lot more guys can handle the ball than they used to, to where they kind of found that balance of there's still a place in the game for ball pressure deflections and really trying to force turnovers instead of playing, you know, the Tony Bennett or even like the Chris Mack, Archie Miller pack line defense of let's just play gaps. Let's make you shoot over us and let's play everything safe. I think there's still a place in the game for aggressive defense and Shaka Smart's doing a great job of showing that right now. Well, you, you can, you can still play, uh, you know, gap integrity and extend your pressure with pickup points. The one thing that, that uh, I marvel at, and, and I talked about it yesterday as well, and I'll talk about it now, like, you know, for Shaka, it, you know, he did it at VCU, he's doing it at Marquette. And, and during the broadcast, they talked about it, that he mentioned to his team, how many of you guys were recruited by UCLA? How many of the guys were five-star guys? It's a lot different, like when he was at Texas, to get the, the high major and the guys to buy in that, that defensively that you have to guard that way. Now, some programs can, and some coaches can get it. He struggled to get his five-star players to guard that way at Texas. And, and, and you could just see where he's at Marquette, where, hey, they buy what he's selling from a defensive standpoint. And that's huge. If you get your guys to buy in, that's what it's all about. Yeah, they've been around now for a few years, too, to where they have that cohesiveness of they know where the other dudes are going to be on the court, on the, yep. on the defensive end. And and offensively as well, they had great ball movement last night. They routinely got open shots against a really good Kansas defense. They were incredibly impressive. And I, I'm interested to see how they can uh, defend Zach E. If, you, if, if anyone remembers, they went to Purdue last year and only lost by like five, six points in West Lafayette, mm-hmm. a game that was went very under the radar because both Marquette and Purdue kind of hadn't ex- ascended to where Purdue was a one seed. Marquette was a two seed to that point yet. It was early on in the campaign. A little bit more high profile this time in the Maui Championship, but I'm interested to see how Marquette takes Edie away from the basket on the offensive end and really 
it, I think it's less about defending Edie one-on-one themselves or, or trying to double them and more about what that ball pressure can do against Purdue's guards and trying to keep them from getting the ball into Edie. I, I think that's their best chance of keeping the ball away from them. And when you look at, at both mm-hmm. what Marquette does and where Purdue struggled the last couple of years, it's been been facing ball pressure guys that really push their offense back beyond the three-point line closer to half court at some points and really making it a struggle just to get the ball inside the Edie's and obviously defensive rebounding on, on the back end you can't let Purdue get 25 offensive rebounds yeah I, I think the the mindset for Marquette because of the the way that they they buy time for their guys with just you know as you mentioned tremendous ball pressure I, I think it's almost to the point where you know, Edie's going to get his. And yeah. I just think they're just going to look, they'll score. We just don't want anybody else to beat us. We don't want to give up second chance points. So yeah, I, I think their, 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 their game plan, you know, they don't want to get in foul trouble. I, I think they'll look, I don't, I don't expect them to double much on, on Edie. I expect them just, Hey, um, we're not going to let the other guys uh, cut. We're not going to let the other guys make open shots. We're going to contest those. And Edie might get 25 points, but, you know, we're going to contain everybody else. And I think that's the best way to look at uh, guarding Purdue when you have a team like Marquette. Absolutely. I, I just think they're going to make it hard to get the ball for them to get the ball to Edie. But once they do get the ball, I agree with you. They're going to go one-on-one. They're going to, you know, let him get his. You can't let Foster Warrior hit a bunch of open threes. You can't let Braden Smith hit a bunch of open shots. Gillis first, all those guys down, Lance Jones, all those guys down the line. You got to take those dudes away because, you know, even if you do a really good job defending, you know, Edie and defending, you know, getting the ball into Edie, he's still probably going to have 25, 28 points and 14 rebounds. That's just what he mm-hmm. does. But you but you want to make it a little bit harder or else he's going to have, you know, 40, 44 points in right. a game like that. So that's going to be phenomenal to watch today. But I want to bring it back to Louisville here the last couple of days. We are technically a Louisville podcast, even though uh, we, we very much love talking about all college hoops here, as, as we can see as we went on a tangent there. But the cards go up to New York play a couple of games where let's be honest. I'll be honest. I thought they were going to get hosed. I thought they were going to get blown out by Texas. I mean, and a lot of, I do think Texas was pretty disappointing for the better part of two games, games here. But I said this um, in a radio hit, hit earlier this week, week. Um, and yeah, we can see where it was. I mean, you're doing shows at ESPN Louisville. Uh, good old James Strebel had me, had me uh, call in to talk IU Louisville uh, on ESPN Louisville. You're doing the ESPN Louisville plus stuff as well. Well, um, uh, which I'm sure you're going to have a bunch of clips on that there uh, from the last two games. But but you look at it, and I really thought Louisville was just going to get steamrolled. I really did. And, yes, Texas missed a bunch of open shots. Yes, Texas wasn't great defensively. They clearly missed Dylan DeSue. They had a couple guys get hurt and then come back in throughout the game. But Louisville, I was really impressed that, you know, they gave consistent effort. They crashed the crap out of the offensive glass, something they did really do against Indiana, which we can get to that in a little bit. And they made big plays. I mean, we talk a lot about Kenny Payne and kind of, you know, his deficiencies in in trying to draw up plays, trying to get guys open. The play they had, it was an ATO out-of-bounds play where they had Sky Clark curl off a bunch of screens. He catches the ball and hits a three. I thought he, I personally thought he should have driven because Sky Clark hadn't been a good three-point shooter this year just percentage-wise, but he was wide open. He took the three, he buried it, he gave Louisville the lead at that point. That's all Kenny Payne. I mean, I think there's definitely other places where you can criticize uh, KP, mainly Louisville's last offensive possession. But I thought that was one of the first glimpses we've seen of, okay, Kenny drew up a play out of a timeout in a big spot 
and Sky Clark was clutch and hit the shot when it was executed well from everyone involved. To where we saw pot, I don't. I'm trying to struggle where to balance between the positives and the negatives from those those two days, but but I I guess we'll start on the positive end there there from from that, and then also we, we can talk about Tyler Johnson in a second. Also, just kind of Louisville playing inspired basketball and giving itself a chance to win two games that, especially against Texas, I really thought they were going to get steamrolled. Well, you know, a lot of times, obviously, the first two exhibition games and their first uh, two regular season games, um, you know, you 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 kind of you're playing teams that you feel that you're just going to be overmatched. You overmatch them athletically and physically anyway. You're not playing in that environment, and all of a sudden, you know, you're hearing that you, you know you're not good enough. You're going up to New York. You're playing a team that's ranked. It's human nature. So you're going to get up to play games like that. So at, from a coaching standpoint, it's not hard to to inspire your guys when you were going to play a Texas and Madison Square Garden. Having said but, that, but we we saw that last year though, where they go to Maui and they're no, playing agreed, agreed and they're playing top level teams and they're losing seventy two to thirty eight to to a right. Texas Tech team that we thought was good at the time but ended up finishing dead last in the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, but that's that's the thinking going into those things. I think this year's team has a little more grit. They have, um, and you mentioned it already, Tyler, and he's a game changer, and he's he's a, a quintessential point guard because he's look he, he's he's young, but he's he can split traps. He knows how to navigate ball screens. Um, I, I think for the most part, this group um, is is grittier, is is more unselfish is going to do uh, some of the little things, not all of them, but some of the little things that can help them uh, affect winning and affect certain things. Um, I'd love to see Caleb Glenn on the floor more. I think he's a guy that can be a glue guy for this squad. But, you know, you make a great point. Um, I just think that this team uh, just was so sick and tired of, of all the narrative. And, you know, and, and sure, you know, using last year, as that's all they heard from every radio station here and everybody was talking about what's going to be like last year, you're going to go up there and you're going to get your, your tails kicked in, you know? And so they go up there and all of a sudden they realize they can compete with Texas. I think Texas, you know, not to take anything away from Louisville. I just think Texas was not to say lethargic. It just seemed like there just was no urgency from them throughout the game. Um, they're talented for sure. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it. They they had open looks. They missed some threes. And that turned into, you know, Louisville never folded. So those were great signs um, for them in that game. Um, you take a lot of stuff from that. There was a lot of positives. Because even that last possession, uh, Sky Clark couldn't have guarded him any better. Yeah. He moved his feet. It's a contest. Those are, you know, those are demoralizing. You hate to see, you know, uh, there's a line from the movie Unforgiven deserves got nothing to do with it. So, you know, as much as Louisville deserved to win that game, um, it just, you know, the, the non-call at half court, you know, look, you have a guy blitzing out um, when you put four people around the ball late in games, referees don't usually call it. And so you have a blitz, you have a loose ball and it turns into a Texas possession. But for the most part, Jack, I think Louisville showed signs of life, signs of optimism for the fan base here. And and on that last offensive possession, 
it might not be a wise idea to run a high pick and roll when Caden Chedrick is the five defending when he's been in the Virginia program for well, so well, long. Yeah, Cedric yeah. is is knows how to blitz, uh, yeah. really shows out, blitzes hard. It, you know, there there's schools of thought on on that type of stuff. You know, some teams like to have guys slip screens on that kind of action, almost come up and slip it. That uh, so the guard is more concerned with where the screen angle is, and that allows a blow by for the for the offensive player rather than actually setting a screen. Because when you put four people around the ball, and like you said, Cedric is schooled. Uh, He's been you know, drilled in, in that in, for years. Yeah, <laughs> incessantly. Like, it's, 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 it's like breathing for him. So he knows exactly how to blitz out. So, yeah, that situation w- w- was a little tenuous. And then, you you know, uh, a non-call. But referees are, are kind of, you know, they, they don't want to blow a whistle in that type of situation. So, yeah, I mean, those are things that you look back on and say, well, you know, but, you know, they still have a one-point lead. And Texas just makes a, a just a, a, a tough two. Really tough too. Yeah, yeah. There's things I'm gonna fault Louisville for that we'll get to here in a moment. Uh, that that buzzer beater by Max Aismas is not one of them. That's just a dude that has scored a boatload of points in his career at Oral Roberts. Just going out there, even despite having a tough game, because he did not mm-hmm. play well in that game. Just went right. out and made a play when it mattered once or mattered when when it needed to most. And that's a, you tip your hat, you move on. That, that, mm-hmm. that, that, I think, are the two biggest differences between the Texas and the Indiana games, other than the fact that Texas is much better um, uh, recognized nationally than Indiana right now, and as they should be, because they sh- because Indiana's had their struggles that, that we've documented before. But in the whereas Texas goes out, makes a play, tip your hat, whatever, Indiana, you led by seven at the under eight media timeout, and you end up losing by, you get outscored by 15 points late, a 13-2 run to end the game. Really, where it wasn't even Mike Woodson's idea. I don't know if you saw the quotes post-game. It was, it came from. uh, Trust me, I've seen seen them all. (laughs) Yeah, but, but, you know, Kenny Payne says he got, got tricked by, by Mike Woodson. And. And I understand from the standpoint of Mike Woodson has not played zone at Indiana at all. He did say back in September in an Indianapolis star piece that Brooks Holden of the career journal pointed out um, to where he did have a quote where he said he installed a zone over the summer to uh, use for a situation like this. It's kind of a desperate, let's muddle things up. Let's see if they can do something different because they're, they're carving up our man to man. But it wasn't Mike Woodson's idea to actually play zone. It came from the players in the timeout to uh, play the zone, which credit to Mike Woodson for listening to his players and doing something that ended up being the difference in the game. But Kenny Payne got – he didn't get tricked by Mike Woodson. He got tricked by by whatever players suggested that, which is probably an, an even worse look. But but I, I, I don't want to focus too much on, on the uh, quote aspect of it, just from the standpoint of I understand why you wouldn't think Indiana would play zone but that being said, how on November 20th or whatever day it was, you don't have a basic zone offense you can go to, to me, is is inexcusable. I mean, we, we all laughed at the John Calipari quote a couple weeks ago where he asked um, whatever exhibition game it was, he asked the coach not to play zone because he hadn't installed the offense. Kenny didn't ask Woodson. He just kind of assumed it, and it burned him on on that. Not that he was going to ask Woodson to you know not play zone, but but I, I think you gotta have a zone offense to where they've seen zones before in the first couple games. I'm trying to remember what game it was, but they've played zone offense before. 
to where it was just a basic ass two, three zone. It wasn't anything special Indiana was doing, but you look at before that Tyler Johnson was phenomenal. He was getting into the paint. He was beating every type of ball coverage you could on a pick and roll. I mean, Indiana played drop coverage. He'd attack it, either get, get a bucket, get to the line, find someone else for an open shot. Caleb Glenn, you mentioned him. He did a phenomenal job moving without the ball to be able to get feeds from Tyler Johnson and finish around the rim. Indiana tried high hedging the ball screen and Johnson basically ran into Indiana's big man, men, uh, Khalil Ware, Malik Renew to draw fouls because they weren't comfortable guarding him out there. They tried trapping the ball screens. He got around the trap. Indiana didn't rotate on the back end and Curtis Williams hit a three that he, he was doing. He was balling out. I mean, Louisville won an 18 to five run and Tyler Johnson anchored all that. But then IU goes to the zone or you know, Louisville stops attacking that zone and they only scored you know, two field goals on the 11 possessions that Indiana played zone for. And they were passive. They they got the ball into the high post one time against the zone. And it was a Brandon Huntley Hadfield rush jumpers. He didn't look comfortable in the high post. Just Louisville's inability to run a, a zone offense was alarming because that's not going to be the, the only time now that the book's kind of out on it, that teams are going to zone them, even if they don't normally play zone. And that's something where you've got to be able to make that adjustment in that spot. And Louisville didn't do it at all. And that, and that ended up costing him the game. Um, and, and I would say this, you know, you talked about them having a seven point lead under the eight minute timeout. Um, and I'll, and I'll touch on the zone. You gotta have, the first thing is you have that kind of lead. You got to close if, the game. You got to close the game and you can get stops. Even if you struggle against the zone, you've got to be bought in and have an identity defensively. You know, I know it was talked during the broadcast, but, you know, Louisville still with their ball screen defense switching and, you know, allowing, you know, and they're not fronting. So the bigs are going around the post or either getting fouled or scoring. You know, th those are situations where, okay, you have a lead. And that should be good enough. Your, your defensive DNA is telling you we've got to be we've got to be gr gritty here. We've got to guard. We've got to get stops. And, and switching ball screens against an Indiana team is is not the most effective way, especially if you're going to play behind the post because that's just going to lead to easy baskets. They weren't doubling. They weren't digging. Um, and, and that was a troubling sign from the defensive standpoint. Um, oh, oh, trust me, we were going to get there, too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the fact that because Indiana was just running that basic weave over and over again, and they weren't uh -huh. going to get anything out of it other than the fact they knew Louisville was going to switch everything. And right. and and they were and they kept getting the matchup of Trey White on Malik Renault. And Indiana would have gone to it all game if Renault could have stayed out of foul trouble, but that, that, that's mm -hmm. its own. It's, it's, he had a stretch second half of the UConn game into the second half of the Louisville game where in 20 minutes of game time, he picked up eight fouls. Like, well, listen, that's, you, that's, you know, you, but, it's not like the zone that Indiana was playing was right. this, was this active zone that was just bumping and, 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 and switching and downing and doing, they were basically playing your basic two, three zone yeah. that you see in, in AAU basketball. Um, so, you know, for Louisville, um, and I mentioned this, it's great to put a score. You know, you talked about Hatfield in, in the middle. Sometimes the most uncomfortable a player can be is when they're wide open. And so when you're not in a position where you're not sure where people are, it's not like in, in when you're running, you know, some of the man stuff, you're in a zone, you're not sure who's going to be where, and, and that makes you uncomfortable. 
look, you know, they, they ended up setting uh, JJ trainer came up and set uh, mid ball screens and, and Lou uh, Indiana was able to either switch it or get through it. And so they were forcing East and West passes back and forth and ended up becoming late shot clock um, long threes, which is what you don't want. You want to try and um, make the zone slide and meaning, you know, that guys are in position where they're not supposed to be um, that they're because basically in the zone, you're playing the ball, not a man. So it's great to flash people up. It's great to have guys in dunker spots. It's great to do those things. I just think, you know, having a Mike James or a Trey White flash into the middle, maybe change the angle on those screens. As JJ comes up on the right side, you see a lot in the NBA changing angles on screens where now it's he can go to the right. He can, you know, be deceptive. And and and, and there's different things you could do. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's a shame that they didn't have something in place to attack it. And, and, and every coach will tell you, you know, you, 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 every practice, you know, you go through and, and before a game, I mean, it was always my mantra, like expect anything. It was always on the board, expect anything, you know, a team that you've, that's never played a two, two, one might come out and, and try something different. So we expect anything and, and, and you're prepared for it. You try and have your guys as prepared as possible because teams can do anything, especially as you mentioned, Indiana was just, they were allergic to guarding people, uh, man to man. Yes, so, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's how you get in foul trouble. And so, you know what, let's just protect our guys and play a two, three. And basically you're, you're hoping, you know, it's, it's a lot of hope defense the way Indiana was playing. Hope you miss, hope you do this. And that's what, how it, yeah, that's how it resulted in. Yeah. And, and the one thing Louisville did, the only time Louisville really looked like they had a sense of, they knew what they were doing. They had back-to-back possessions, Against the zone, the first time JJ kind of got got behind the defense, they found him for a quick pass and a dunk. The next possession, they tried to do the same exact thing from the opposite end. Instead of just regular pass, they tried to lob it up to him. And you could tell Indiana was ready for it the second time. Caleb Banks mm-hmm. read the play like a book and deflected it and turned into a layup on the other end. And to where it's like, great, you got that to work once, but you but you can't go to the same well every single possession on on that. Except you know the high post. That's kind of the high. That's kind of the tried and true method to get the two three zone. You go, you go to the high. You go to the high post. But but uh, Louisville just looked incredibly uncomfortable. There yet no Indiana could not guard a chair man to man in that game and Louisville took full effect for it. I, I like the idea of having Trey White or Mike James in there because they're in addition to being better scorers from that spot that Huntley Hatfield is. They're they're going to be better passers also to where they can be more playmakers mm-hmm. in that spot. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, 
We do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. You know, kind of back to where you brought up defensively, because, you know, even if Louisville didn't score points, Indiana is a very putrid offense to where, you know, they were only 1-11 from three in that game. They had some wide open looks looks there as well. But I thought as did Texas, you know, uh, know, it's kind of like a uh, it's a bit of a fool's gold when you talk about what Louisville's improved the three point defense. I mean, there was eight open uncontested threes by Texas during their game. They went two for 17. Eight of them were just wide open looks that they just normally they're going to hit. And they did against Connecticut. But, you know, you're not making uh, that's You don't want to just fall into that because Louisville just, you know, especially on ball screens. Um, you know, they were switching, but sometimes, you know, with the lift and with pick and pops, they struggle with that kind of action. So, you know, uh, that's something that, that certainly has to be cleaned up. Yeah, but they did because as much as, you know, uh, kind of on Indiana for a second, as much as Mike Woodson talked about all summer, like we're going to play a different offense with Trace Jackson Davis gone, or it's going to be more modern, it's going to be this, that, the other, you're going to see my real offense. Their best offense is throwing the ball to Malik Renew or, or um, Khalil Ware yeah. into the post and letting them go to mm-hmm. work, which is the same mm-hmm. thing they did with Chase Jackson Davis the last four years. But, but again, I know Louisville switches that that's what they do. That's their defensive philosophy. But in the same instance of Woodson going to the zone, going against what he does traditionally defensively and Dan Hurley in the UConn Indiana game saying post game that he was going, he took a very different approach to what they normally do defensively and set in terms of they were going to gap everything and keep Indiana out of the paint. I don't get why Louisville didn't make that adjustment and say, okay, because they did double renew. They were just really late on the double and they were, and they were back. They they had, they had Trey white behind him on the double instead of fronting him to make it more, to make it more, Making yeah, it to get the ball into him because Indiana was running that little weave. They were getting the ball to Clillware at the top of the key, and you had Renew in front of White, easy entry pass all the time. I mean, they weren't giving it; they weren't putting any pressure on Ware or whoever was guarding the ball to make the to make the uh, post feed difficult. They made it way too easy for Indiana to get that ball in the post for Malik Renew, and Renew was going to score over Trey White every single time. He scored ten of Indiana's last nineteen points. He was Indiana's offense late in that game. And to me, not making the adjustment yeah. there was, was as you noted, like that's absolutely killer. I mean, you've got to be able to do something different. You got to make him score over Huntley Hatfield or, or well, trainer, whoever had the game at that point. Trey White has struggled this year defensively. So what teams are going to look at is putting him in ball screens and, and having those switches. One time they had three guys um, on yeah. the ball in, in, in the post and it kind of went, you know, it, it's systematically you got to, you know, um, it, it, the term is firing uh, in the post, meaning you know what Virginia does. They double, you know, right on the catch, and they're they're playing different. You know, the angles they're playing, they're attacking the top foot of their the the other defender, and so on. You know, it's just so easy. You, you know, to me, you know, battling in the post is a uh, is a foot fight, not a fist fight. You gotta you gotta battle to get around, make it tough, change your angles. You, you know, look when when I again I, when I coached at Louisville, we we would switch at times. But we had guys like Peyton Siva guarding, you know, monsters from Pitt, and they're fronting and they're they're battling, they're trying to get around, and you know that's just a disposition. And if you don't have that, 
you know, it's going to be easy to attack it. And teams, teams are going to look, teams dissect, they watch the film, how to attack. It's not just, you know, when you're just doing a scouting report, Jack, you're not just wa- watching what teams run. You're looking at the ways to attack them. How can we score against them? It's not just, all right, these are the plays they run. So we know their plays. We want to see the best way to attack them. So moving forward, Louisville's going to have to have a mindset of, well, this isn't always going to work. We can't, we've got to do different things. Um, you certainly, you know, even with, you know, big Dennis Evans, who, you know, just a, a great kid, just, it's just a struggle for him, the timing, the speed of it, the physicality, you know, he certainly won't be in a position to switch. And so then you have the other guys, they're not communicating. And that's when you see guys driving or lob dunks. I mean, that's what Texas had, uh, you know, a, a well, bunch Shedrick of those over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you have that, so it's inconsistent, um, with their ball screen defense and that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, and, and on that point, you're only going to attack and score offense or defensively to turn that into offense. Malik Renew is a dude that early on in the season, as someone who, again, I'm an IU grad, so I have a very vested interest on multiple levels of that Louisville-Indiana game. He, Malik Renew is a dude that has really struggled against post-doubles this year. And he has had a lot of turnovers. He hasn't passed the ball out of the post. And even if he does pass the ball out of the post, Indiana, again, they were 1-11 from three. They're shooting 24% from three on the season. You're okay giving up open threes to Indiana right now. It's not a threat to where I don't get why you wouldn't. Again, other than that one time where they they had three guys around Renew, but they didn't really attack it enough to where he was able to kind of maneuver his way and, and still mm-hmm. score anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get why you wouldn't trap him to where – where, you know, you put him in a situation where he's uncomfortable. And on the back end, you got a pretty good chance of forcing a turnover and getting out in transition, which is where you've been out at your best offensively as well. Well, and, you know, as far as Trey White goes, he's poor defensively. And he's going, for a guy that struggles to defend on the perimeter, that's a guard, he's probably going to be even worse defending in the post. And that's, you know, that's just a common sense thing most of the time, I would feel like. Like, it's a little different from, like, a Dennis Evans where you can say, well, he can't guard the printer, but, you know, he's a post guy. That makes sense. Trey White's a guard. You you wouldn't expect him to be great at defending the post. So I feel like you're they put him in position to fail. A guy that struggles defending, period, but I would say especially in the post, having them switch so much to where he ends up on a post player, Indiana's best scoring option in that game I think is putting him in a position to fail to where, or that's something to where if you're Kenny Payne Louisville, you needed to make an adjustment, go under ball screens, make them hit jump shots because Indiana was not going to hit enough jump shots to win that game. I can tell you that right mm-hmm. now. The the other thing, I mentioned this briefly um, that, that I found interesting going into this game. I, I really thought Louisville had a great chance when the game. obviously they were up seven, like eight minutes left before the zone thing kicked in and, and they really started attacking what we're doing in the post. Going into the game, Louisville was was uh, top 20 in the country, I think 16th in offensive rebounding percentage, grabbing almost 41% of their offensive rebounds. Indiana was 311th in Division I in, in, in uh, defensive rebounding percentage. Their only opponents were grabbing 35.8%, I believe it was, of their defensive rebounds. Louisville only got offensive rebounds on 20% of their their missed shots. They only had eight offensive rebounds, eight second chance points in the game. And while that's, you know, not a terrible number, I feel like it wasn't, it wasn't what they were doing against Texas um, before Huntley Hatfield and, and Dennis Evans fouled out. It wasn't what they've done in some of their earlier games against uh, quote unquote lesser competition. 
and against an Indiana team who I thought did a better job on the defensive glass. And I think a lot of it was because Renew and, and Caleb Banks, or not Caleb Banks, uh, Mackenzie and Baco were in foul trouble. Anthony Walker and, and Caleb Banks did a much better job than those two guys at defending on the perimeter, not losing their guys just flat out on the perimeter. They're far from perfect. But on the back end, they also did a really good job of getting into rebounding positions and getting rebounds. But I really thought Louisville would be able to attack the offensive glass a lot more effectively than they did, especially when Indiana did go to the 2-3 zone late. That's one of the biggest issues. You brought it up earlier, that against the zone, it's hard. It's harder to find a guy to box out because you're not playing him in. You're playing an area of, of space on the court to where, especially with how poorly Louisville shot the ball in this game, which Indiana's defense I thought was better, but like on the other end, it wasn't – that Indiana was perfect defensively. Louisville still, you know, didn't do a lot, didn't do enough to get open shots. And even when they did, they didn't hit enough of them to where I really thought they'd be able to crash the glass a lot more than they did. And, well, and, and, that, and that was surprising to me. Well, Jack, I mean, take a look at their first three games, um, Coppin State, yeah. UMBC, and Chattanooga. At every position, they had length. They overmatched them physically. Um, and, and they just were just bigger um, for, for lack of way, uh, uh, for, uh, a better way of putting it. So yeah, that, that a mindset is I'm a big believer. You know, the, the, the worst thing you can give up is a second shot. The only thing worse than that is a third shot. So like um, getting to the boards is, is paramount for this Louisville team, but they were able, it, they were able to do it with ease um, because of, uh, of just the, the, the discrepancy in size and athleticism versus their first three opponents. And then you're going to go against Texas and, and, and which they did a decent job against Texas, but then, you know, look, as, as it goes up and you're playing against guys who are, who are comparable athletically and so on. Yeah. It's not going to be as easy, you know, especially when you don't know where the shots are coming from. The, the best way the offensive rebound is when you take shots that your team expects because guys are in the right position. So when you're taking, you know, tough shots or tough threes, or, or against the zone where you're, you know, you're, you're forcing up certain things. It's much tougher to get those offensive rebounds. I'll fight back on that on, on, on two points. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying, but, but. You don't uh, have to I, agree with everything I say, Jack. <laughs> but, but I don't I'll agree with that, everything you say. So it's okay. <laughs> That's fair. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm with you on the standpoint of, yes, it's a lot different to do it against Texas and Indiana than it is against Coppin State or Chattanooga or, or UMBC. But we saw Louisville do a really good job against Texas up until the last four or five minutes when Huntley Hatfield Evans had fouled out. Like I, I like obviously you need your be- your best dudes in the game at the end, but you're playing a lot smaller than what you're doing the rest of the game. So I think that's why Texas was able to really do whatever the heck they wanted on the glass the last couple of minutes in that game. But Louisville still in that game had had a 14 second chance points, 13 offensive rebounds, and on the other mm-hmm. end of it. You say all of that about Louisville against lesser opponents. You look at Indiana in their first three games. They gave up double-digit rebound, offensive rebounds. It got out-rebounded in games against Wright State, Army, and Florida Gulf Coast. So it, it's like all everything you said about Louisville should apply to Indiana as well, who's even bigger and longer and more athletic than Louisville is. And other than Khalil Ware, they really, 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 really struggled again on the glass. Yeah, against, and, and, against lesser opponents. So so obviously that's something that Indiana's needed to be working on. They got absolutely demolished on the class by you. Yeah, you gotta have one. You gotta on, have on, guys. On Sunday, yeah. Yeah, you gotta yeah, have one. You have got guys that are obsessed with rebounding. You have yeah. to have guys who understand that. 
Um, and, and look, Louisville did a, a better job against Texas than they did against Indiana. It's a small sample size, and we're going to see oh, as absolutely. the season goes on if that's something that they can generate offense from. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think for me it changed when I saw Louisville for the first 34, 35 minutes of that Texas game be able to get on the offensive glass. That 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 to me, because I'm with that's different than doing it against, you know, low major teams. That it, mm-hmm. it's just a different feeling. So that to me is kind of why the Texas game had a lot, and obviously IU's own struggles are kind of the combination of why I thought that they would be able to really own the glass a lot more than they did in the Indiana game on both sides of the ball. And that was something that was really surprising to me because especially if Louisville's going to struggle as much offensively as we think they are. And obviously the free throw line was something that was great to them in both games, getting to the line and not just doing that, but knocking a lot of free throws down when they got there, that really kept them in games, games uh, in both contests to where I think that's something that they need to be able to keep doing to get to just get free points of the charity stripe, but you're trying to get dirty points. You're trying to get out in transition, get easy buckets. You're trying to get to the free throw line, hit uncontested 15 footers where, you know, no one's guarding you. That's what a free throw is. It's what's called a free throw, but, but, and then also crashing the offensive glass and getting second, third chance opportunities to give your offense as many chances as you can to put the ball through the hoop. So I think it's, it's going to be something that's, that I think needs to be a big part of Louisville's season the rest of the year if they're going to have anything close to uh to a successful year because I, I think think those three things are going to be able need to have to do because I don't think they're going to be able to rely on just half court sets, half court offense all the time, especially as competition continues to ramp up here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah you're 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 right. Uh you know there's again a lot of positives that come out of the Empire classic, you know, some things that Louisville uh, needs to address. But you, you you see a team that's going to compete, um, which you mentioned earlier last year. They just, you know, going out to Maui, it was just a train wreck. So can they carry that forward? Can they can they can they build on this in the capacity of a saying, OK, you know, not coming back and playing to level your competition, you know, as they have the New Mexico states, the the Bellarmines, the Arkansas, Arkansas states of the world. Um you know, in DePaul before they get into conference play, you know, they'll have Kentucky, they'll have Virginia tech, you know, they'll have those games. Can you get, can you, you know, can you um, stack some wins and then get to the position where you, you feel good about your team going into ACC play? Yeah. And that's going to be the challenge now because Louisville's Louisville has a chance to do something they haven't done in the Kenny Payne era. And that's, and that's when, win some games and win some games consecutively, that's not been something we've seen very often. As you brought up, you know, their next two games, New Mexico State, Bellarmine. New Mexico State's a program that quite literally folded in February because of their own turmoil and just, just various issues. That we don't I, I watched get, them. Uh, I watched them last yeah. night. It's a scrappy yeah. team and they played Fresno and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're better than, than, you know, a, a team that's just you know, put together. They're, they're going to, they're going to battle. And that's what, Look, teams are going to come in here and feel they have a chance to beat Louisville yeah. here. And, and team, that's just going to be a mindset. And a team that definitely will feel that way is Bellerman, who uh, did beat Louisville here last last mm-hmm. season. And obviously, Scotty D is going to have them revved up and ready to go. And, and they're going to, to possess a different type of style of offense that Louisville hasn't really seen a lot of yet that's going to be uh, really challenging for them to deal with. I really think it is. But after that, then you get Virginia Tech. Tech in the ACC in DePaul, a couple of road games before Arkansas State Pepperdine before getting to Kentucky. So you have a chance here, or if you can put together 
a four and two, five and one stretch, I, I think has to be the goal here, here for Louisville to try to be able to get some momentum for the first time. Because I think we've reached, we've reached a pivotal point here for Louisville uh, during the Kenny Payne era of obviously year one was a disaster. Year two started off pretty much the same way. If there's any chance for Kenny Payne to get some momentum for this program and show some real things are improving to try to earn a year three, because let's be honest, I've been going under the pretense of, of ever since really they lost to Wesleyan and, and definitely since Chattanooga of, I don't think there's anything he can do to get a year three to where, you know, you go and you have this showing in New York to where you don't win either of the games, but you show this fight and this pulse and this inspirational basketball that you just hadn't seen under a Kenny Payne team to where you got to start turning those into wins. But the question becomes, can you build on that at, against at now lesser competition, not in Madison Square Garden, against probably some sleepy crowds at the Yum Center, to where you got to be able to run off some wins here and try to create and generate some momentum. Because they don't do it in this stretch of play. It's not that the ACC is a gauntlet this year, but it, I do think it is better than what it's been the past couple years. You're going to have a lot of struggles finding wins once you start facing power conference teams consistently. If if, if you can't roll off a bunch of victories here in the next few mm-hmm. weeks, yeah, I mean, uh, not much more you could say on that. Yeah, they can't have a misstep as far as the next you know couple of weeks because yeah, you, you know, even if they go 500 in the ACC and they have a couple of missteps here, you're still talking about not getting you know only 12, 13 wins, and and that still won't be good enough for sure. Yeah, because let's be honest, I think for Kenny Payne to earn a third year, it's a very tall task. Some would probably call it an unfair task. But you know what? When you go 4-28 and the year before, that's the task you put yourself in. At the end of the day, this is Louisville basketball. And the expectation when Louisville basketball is Louisville basketball, you know this as well as anyone, it's not sneak into the tournament as a 12 seed and, and get blown out in the first four. It's be in the Sweet 16, be contending for final fours. That that's what mm-hmm. that's the expectations of Louisville basketball on a normal circumstance. Obviously, these are yep. far from normal circumstances. But I think the the uh, theory is you, disastrous season last year. The end of the Mac Mac era was a disaster as well. You haven't been to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you would have been there in 2020 as a top four seed, maybe like a three or four seed, had a chance to make a second weekend, perhaps even more. But because of COVID, you haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2019. They haven't won an NCAA tournament game since Rick Pitino beat Jacksonville State back in 2017. You haven't been to the second weekend for someone. I know I've said this this on this podcast before with Greer back in the day, but as someone who grew up in Louisville, born in 1997, the era Louisville basketball I grew up with was the years I remember, you know, 2005 to 2015, Louisville was in the second weekend seven times. It was just a given that they were going to be in the Sweet 16. And I'm not expecting that because that's kind of, you know, Rick Pitino's a generational type coach as Denny Crum was before him. And it's just hard to do that, even if you have great teams every year. But you got to you got to at least make the NCAA tournament or or just be on the bubble. You got to be fighting for a tournament spot for for uh, Kenny Payne to show real progress and say, can I get a year three? And if you can't take care of business over the next three, four weeks or so, I don't see how you're going to be able to win enough games in the ACC to be able to make that argument. You're only 26, Jack? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, man, you're just a puppy. Yeah, you're my uh, puppy. birthday is actually tomorrow, Thanksgiving. 
Is it really? Yeah. Happy birthday, Jack. Thanks. All right. Yeah, there you go. go. Yeah, I got um uh you know Thanksgiving wise, we're having Thanksgiving's big in my household. So I think we're having uh about 22 people at my parents' place nice. tomorrow. Nice. So it's gonna be huge. I'm going out with uh with a bunch of friends tonight to celebrate um the Good birthday. And, and we're gonna have we're gonna have fun. I think we um, might be going to the casino Friday night to play some okay. Play some games. Uh, might be making my way to the Louisville Kentucky football game, and obviously I'll be dealing with family stuff all week as well. So very busy week for me. Um, uh, actually, I had a doctor's and dentist appointment tomorrow, so we're covering all angles of stuff here. All right, you're sharing a lot of information. Yeah, That's so, okay, but, Jack. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's anyone gonna? Well, yeah, well, ha- anyone? well, happy birthday. Yes, Jack. thank you, but. But yeah, no, uh, they, I love Thanksgiving, favorite time of year. I'm I'm ready to eat way too many mashed potatoes tomorrow. <laughs> I really am. I know, I'm a I know, big I, uh, sweet potato guy. Love sweet potatoes. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. The, uh, the green bean casserole too, that's something. Um, All those things. There's yeah. so many. Yeah, it's there's a so plethora good. of food items that are just, yeah. My no mom, question. My mom's upstairs making stuffing right now, so it, it's uh, it, it's a great week. I, I, I might I might need to, uh, you to make me a plate, man. I'll uh, uh, I'll let by. you know. Come I'll by. let you know. We'll have, we'll have uh, there's one thing uh, we do. It's uh, we make a lot of food, and no matter how many people come, there's always about twice as much food as what we eat. So so there's there's going to be leftovers for sure. So um, on that note. We've got, I, I, as I'm, I should probably be done divulging personal information, <laughs> but, but uh, I didn't say anything too bad. I mean, yeah. You did fine. not at all. And you know what? <laughs> yeah. If you want to edit it, you can, but you were fine. <laughs> nah, so. I'm just leaving it all in there. We're having, we're having fun. So coach, I know you said you take uh, Thanksgiving a little bit more low key. What are, um, uh, I'll ask you this. What are some things other than, you know, Mally, cause we kind of hit on that. And if you want to talk about Tennessee, um, Tennessee and Kansas real quick, will you get into that for a moment? But the rest of Feast Week as well, Battle for Atlanta is getting kicked off Arizona, Michigan State on mm-hmm. Thursday. I'll definitely be tuned into that as well. Well, uh, what, what are some things you're looking for here the rest of the week? Honestly, Jack, I, I, I've said this before. You know, there's not so much uh, something specific. It's just these great matchups, watching teams early to see where they are now, where they're going to be two months from now some of the things that they're building on from a coach's lens. I love to look at and, and, and you know, having so many people I know and, and, and their teams are playing, you know, last night, you know, Richard Bettino uh, fights and battles and, and beats a Toledo team, um, you know, without house, you know, playing and, and, you know, uh, and then again, Marquette was just fantastic. So today, five o'clock, you, you've got, you know, that game uh, Marquette and Purdue, but of course you mentioned Tennessee and Kansas, um later i think that's what midnight i think that's the time the game is on right it's like um i can check that real quick i think it's okay i i believe it's like a late night game and they're playing the championship at five yeah another playing the championship at five uh 230 is tennessee kansas is that that right honestly uh that that won't be long after i get this published (laughs) i I think uh yeah i think the other game um uh, excuse me, the UCLA game, I think, might be uh, – uh, uh, Yeah, as we get UCLA and Gonzaga mid- tonight also. Right? Night game, but regardless um, – Yeah, that's a midnight game. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's the midnight game. So, yeah, I'll be up for that one. Um, just watching all these as my phone is having mine of its own here. Um, but, yeah, just uh, looking forward, Jack. I, I wish I would say, okay, well, this game – just watching – all the, you know, as many games as possible. I mean, look, Iona's coming on in half an hour. You know, Tobin Anderson's a friend of mine. I want to watch 
you know, Iona um, against a, a struggling Buffalo team. So, yeah, just to watch these games, it's games 11, there's games all day. I mean, it's it's a certainly a feast for a guy like me. Absolutely going to be a blast. Last thing before we get you out of here, we're going to circle back here from from uh, from a few weeks ago. Because before the season started, I, I told you I was going to hold you to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Preseason, I asked you for a Final Four. And you said, ask me in a couple weeks. Okay. I've, given, I've given you an additional grace week. So I've given you, you have. weeks here. So you have. I got I got to get – it's like I've already bombed. Like Mich- I mean, I've, I think Michigan State can get things together. I mean, it's time. So you, you never they, count they him out. Can. Now, but but Michigan State's lost to James Madison. Arkansas's already uh, lost to uh, Greensboro. So I've had a couple. Don't don't couple um, it's a don't overreact. Yeah, yeah, don't right. overreact to games like that. That that doesn't right. mean that doesn't mean a thing. In right. fact, those are that happens a lot of times to to teams that go to yeah. the Final Four. Um, I mean, the year we went to the Final Four, we lost to South Florida on Senior Night. So yeah. you know those things. You know teams can. You know you're playing your if it, there's no must win games in. November, December, and January. The must-win games come in February and March, so um, it's a lot different. I will say this. Uh, I will put Kansas in, in the Final Four. Um, I'm going chalk, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Duke. Um, I am going to put Marquette, and I am going to put Arizona. So I'm going chalk, but uh, those are my four teams That's for fair. the Final Four. I would say Marquette and Arizona have been the two teams so far I've been I've been the most impressed with. I mean, obviously winning in Cameron indoors very hard to do, but but I'm excited to see if they can um because I, I want to know if that's kind of like a high point point type of deal or if they can sustain that and they get a great opportunity against Michigan State on Thursday to do that. And obviously Marquette's been we 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 hit on them already. They've been mm-hmm. great. So it's going to be a lot of a lot, a lot of fun to really get in and sink into the teeth of this college basketball season. And also some turkey. It's going to be great. So, Coach, I'll let you go. I know you want to watch Iona here in a little bit. Great slate of games on. Enjoy the downtime. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And, yeah, no, if you want to play it, let me know because we'll have I will. plenty, I will. plenty I'll, I'll of food. The, uh, <laughs> I'll have the little one with me. So uh, you never know what, what what's up, uh, you know, my, my nine-year-old, whatever she wants to do. It's always it's her <laughs> world. So happy birthday. Happy Thanksgiving, Jack. Great, uh, great being with you here again as always. Always, always. We'll be back next week. Wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving here on Ford Street's Finest. Uh, Enjoy the holiday. We'll talk soon.